Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Today we're talking about understanding God's family. You know, while I was doing some research online, I didn't even know I was going to preach this message, but the, the Lord works in mysterious ways. So I saw a tweet on my major research um, streets, a book of Instagram. And it was two screenshots put side by side. It was a guy. And the first screenshot said, yo, I pray this, girl, this girl's period comes today. And then the second screenshot, people are like, ah, today I brought my mother to church. What's going on here? And then the second screen, screenshot was a picture of him holding a baby. And he said, updates. He didn't come. <laughs> so here we are. But even though, of course, I don't appreciate what the guy did, I respect him because he was even around to share the updates. Some people, they have already jackpot. So, God is saying, I won't forget you. Even if a woman forgets her suckling child, if you've ever been around a woman with a newborn baby, the baby is crying. And she's like, oh, I just want this baby to sleep so I can sleep. Then the baby sleeps. But there is this voice that tells new mothers that that baby is not breathing. So, every five, five seconds, you will check their nose. It's like, hey, it's coming out. Then just to be sure, you poke the child. Then when the child does stretches, you say, oh. Then you go to the bathroom and you think, what would have happened between that bathroom time and now? So you come back again. And then before you have enough time to finish monitoring the child, the child is awake. And God is saying that the same way a woman will not forget her child, me, I will not forget you. Verse 16 is so beautiful. It says, behold. In other words, listen to me. Pay attention. Pay attention. Look here. I have inscribed you on what? On the palms of my hands. I know that you know that people are important to God. But my job here this morning is to tell you that you, you are those people. You are that person. You are people. You are that person who is important to God. He says, I have inscribed your name. On the palm of my hand. Second Corinthians 7 from verse 18. It's a reiteration of something in the Old Testament. It says, and I will be a father to you. And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Praise the name of Jesus. John 1 from verse 12. It says, what I had quoted before. As many that received him, he gave them power to what? Did you say as many that he felt were deserving? Or as many that came from good families. Or only those without a past. You know, sometimes you tell people I have a past. And like, ah, no, 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 don't worry. I can still date you even though you have a past. But what type of past? <laughs> like in their mind, they've already compartmentalized it. I can manage. This one, ah, you go hard. This one, co possible. <laughs> Oh, is it rara? Ra- ra- oh, thank you. But not the Lord. 
not the Lord. As many that received him, as many that believed on his name, all you have to do to have the name of Jesus as your son's name is to believe and receive. Believe and receive. And he says, which we are born not of blood. Because you see, when it comes to natural families, you are either born of blood or you are born of the will of the flesh. In other words, marriage. So we're like, oh, so that's what it means. Like a will of the flesh. Oh, and born again church. People don't see, understand what I'm talking about. Born again, for I love it so much. Not of the will of man, but of the will of God. You are not an unwanted pregnancy that he just say, ah, let me just be responsible and manage. You are born of the will of God. God wanted me. God wanted me to be his child. That's such a comfort. That's such a comfort that he went out of his way to adopt you. And so today, as we talk about understanding God's family, the first point I really wanted to make is that God is your daddy. That he actually enjoys being your dad. He enjoys, you know, some of you, you grew up with fathers who loved you, but didn't enjoy you. You know what I mean now? Like, I love you, I'm going to pay your school fees, I'll provide for you. But don't, don't, don't come and be gisting with What are we gisting about? But you see this God. He says your name is, is inscribed on the palm of my hand. Not because if he's not there, I will forget you. Because remember, he never forgets. But I love you so much, I just really want to, you know, show off. Praise the name of Jesus. God is your father. God is your family. If you have a family that loves you, God is better. If you never had a family, God is your daddy. If you're out of a broken marriage, God is your husband. If you've suffered loss, God is your husband. God is your family. Praise the name of Jesus. The second point of today, the first point was what? You sound like you don't like that idea. The first point was what? The second point is God is my father, but I'm not his only child. Let me come here. It's like his last bones are here. God is my father, but I'm not his words. You know, pastor told me about a church he was passing. And they were leading a very hot prayer point. Say, my father, my father. The blessings upon the firstborn in my father's house. Let it come unto me. And they were praying. Just imagine that they were two brothers there. One was the firstborn. And the other one was secondborn. And they are sitting beside each other. That hot. The first one go first one like, pray, make I see you. <laughs> and it's such a mindset to have. Jesus is teaching disciples how to pray. He says, our father. He's not just my dad. He's our dad. And sometimes it's very easy to get into jealousy and sibling rivalry because, I mean, when a man has nine children, he, he may not find it easy to love all of them equally. Resources are limited. Money is limited. Feelings are limited. 
It's true that some of you judge your parents for not being expressive, but you don't know the kind of homes they grew up in. Mm-hmm. But not God. He has enough resources. Not only does he have love, he is love himself. So that's a mindset we must have. That not only was God intentional about wanting a big family, he has more than enough to take care of a big family. There are some people, their parents have too many children, it's difficult to remember their names, not your God. So you don't have to hate your brother or your sister to love the Lord. Paul in his letters will say, ah, after I heard of your faith in Jesus and your what? Apart from the pastors, who else knows it? Love unto all the saints. They are two sides of the same coin. Like beans and dodo. Like Amala and what? Sorry, somebody say Egusi or is my ear. If you say Egusi, this example cannot work. Like when you go somewhere and they say, what do you want to eat, Amala? They don't ask you what soup. Because there is a natural disposition. I know I'm preaching this morning. There is a natural disposition to love a do. If you eat Amala. Praise the name of Jesus. Faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. They go together. No matter how successful a parent is, they will feel like they have failed if their children don't love each other. That's what the ones that are saying. No, I'm not sorry. People's mommy. I didn't mean it like that. I'm just saying. People online, please. Anyway, I know you understand me. No parents want both their children to just love them but not love each other. That's a broken family. Speaking about the work of Jesus in Hebrews 2 from verse 10, it says, In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting for, for God, from whom and through whom all things exist, to make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. You know, some people say, blood is thicker than water. Just because you're my church member does not mean I should favor you. Can I tell you something? The blood of Jesus that brings all of us together is thicker than the blood of men. Blood is thicker than water. Spirit is thicker than blood. So that's a mindset we must have. That you are part of a family. That the person sitting down by your side is a member of your family. It's not enough to love the Lord. You don't really love him if you don't love his people. It's not enough to say, God, I can do anything for you. Show it in how you treat my children. Not just the ones that you think can pay you back, but whatsoever you do to the least of these. You know, I laugh when um, believers say we should not be partial. Bible says, do good to what? All men, especially what? That's, please, is that not partiality? Like, 10 people are qualified. It's a life service, but I will teach it anyway. Because it's public in scriptures. Don't say the ones that are believers are not qualified. What do you mean? You know who we be? There are 10 people that are qualified. I'm going to consider all of them. Especially those in the household of faith. 
those in the household of faith. So we're not saying that you should not bring in the competent ones. Bring them. But on the level of competence, especially those in the household of faith. Praise the name of Jesus. Something interesting happened in Mark chapter 3 from verse 31. I can assure you that none of your parents read this for you when you were growing up. In fact, when I read it now, if your parents use this Bible verse during scriptures, please, you will raise up your hand. Are you ready? You agree or you don't agree? Okay, let's go. Mark 3 from verse 31. We're going to read together. You guys on this side will read 31. You guys on this side will read 32. I'll read 33. Are we ready? Once you're ready, go. Mm-hmm. Good. 32. Hi. Okay, okay. It's media team. All right. 32, let's go. Problem. But Jesus replied. I don't know. I know Jesus was a king of kings, but they do like king of shades. <laughs> Jesus replied, who? <laughs> I think God knew when he made sure that Jesus did not come from Nigeria. <laughs> Imagine king of kings kneeling down in public. <laughs> who are my mother? And my brothers. It's a different thing if you say it's in your mind. He says, looking at those seated in a circle around him, he said, Here. Yeah. I'm sure he was saying that those ones outside the yeah, way. Because no, his brothers were teasing him, they didn't believe in him. He said, Yeah, my mother and my brothers. For whosoever does the will of God is my mother, my brother, and my sister. Remember that. When you look through scriptures, because some of you who use this one to go and respect your parents at home, before you listen to this message, listen to the one I preached last week when all your parents were here. Jesus was very intentional about teaching you how to treat your family. He said, Don't tell your mother, ah, I can't give you 50 money for this month because you see, I was paying tight. You know, we're about to get our own building. He said, Do this one and do the other one as well. So you must take those teachings holistically. Hello? Good. Now, Jesus is now saying that it's true that you treat your biological family well, but don't assume that believers in the body of Christ are less important. Are you hearing me this morning? It was his desire. All that violence was to prove to you that's why a family here. Look at the person by your side, eyeballs, eyeballs, and say, We are family. Say, I got you. Say, I got you. I don't want to say I love you because I don't know what has happened before, before we enter this place. <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus. John 17 from verse 20. This is one of the uh, last recorded prayers of Jesus before he is arrested to be killed. And it's, it's first of all, so, so humbling, so touching, and so powerful that Jesus prayed for us. He was praying that we'll be one. And then he says, I'm not asking on behalf of them alone. In other words, not just for these people who are alive and well in AD 30 or AD 31. He says, but on behalf, ah, thank you, daddy, of those who will believe in me through their message. 
It's such an intentional way to use words. My family is going to grow and not everybody is here now. This prayer I'm praying right now is not just for the ones that are here. It's true that other people can come later and claim it and it'll still be for them. But I want them to know that the same way it was important for the early church to gather in one place and to be in one accord, even if there are a billion of them in 10,000 cities, eh? I want them to know that all of them may be one. As you, Father, in me and I am in you, may they also be one in us. You can say I love God, but I hate church. Then your, your spiritual convictions are based on Mahatma Gandhi. You. Say, Mahatma Gandhi said, I love Jesus, but his follow- I don't like his followers. Come to scripture. Are you here? See, I, I love church, but I, I don't like organized religion. What do you like, this organized one? So what, what is the meaning of when the early church gathered together and they were writing letters, the apostles were writing letters and they were reading it out together, when they had an hour of prayer? You have to be careful so that you're not easily tossed and, tossed and turned by every wind of doctrine. There must be a, a level of order in anything we are doing as the body of Christ. Do you understand that? Stop living your life based on quotable quotes. Source unknown. That should tell you something. Go to the known source of the word of God. Hello? That one's not in my notes. I'll be writing down because I can't. <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus. Jesus could have prayed anything else. But in verse 22 of John, I believe John 17, he says that they may be perfectly united. He could have prayed anything else. But in that moment, he knows he's about to go to the cross. But he's saying what's most important to him. It's a public prayer. So that we know, this is what he was thinking just before he died. That they may be perfectly united. See, I, I like that church, but you see that unit. The only beef we should have in common is the body of, the body of Jesus. It is flesh. And I didn't plan it. (laughs) Uh, Okay, let me go. Wait now. Wait. You know, Pastor is watching before I forget what I want to say. But it's important that we walk in love and in forgiveness. Praise the name of Jesus. The next section of my notes and my teaching today is what I call family goals and family roles. I really wanted to use a football analogy, but I don't know anything about football. Even in the place where I was supposed to write goalkeeper, I wrote referee. <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus. Every family has goals. The body of Christ has goals. Your local church has goals. When we were growing up, there was a particular time in my lives and in our lives when we were growing up as children that our goal was to make sure that we had food to eat every day. It was not that bad, but it was quite bad sometimes. Because, so to achieve that goal, there was a strategy my parents put in place called without. It sounds fancy, Abby. That you are eating without meat, or without fish, or without egg. So that there's enough food for what? The next day. 
And some of you, you have different strategies in your family. Some of you, between you and your husband now, the goal is to japa. So if you have five million in your account, it's supposed to be there so that whenever you came back, he wants to check. They will see it there, Abby. Will it make sense for somebody in the family to go and carry that money to buy land? See, I saw this land very cheap. I could not have done it by myself. So I'm not going to let anybody shame me. Ah, that wow, you mean you're part of one of the greatest movements in this century? Hmm. Church has come. You don't know anything. You must own it with your full chest. Hello? You must own it. Every family has goals. Every family has goals. And the truth is that we can only fulfill those goals when we play our roles as members of the body of Christ. What you are doing is not too small. Some of you what you are doing is small, Because you don't even show up in any service unit. But there is no role that is too small. There is no role that is too big. Someone is like, ah, I knew my role was to be warming the bench. Because if I was not at the back, how would the church be full? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that we all have a part to play. When we talk about a billion souls in 10,000 cities, Pastor travels, but he can't travel that fast. You have pastors, but they can't go to all those cities, the current ones. So when responsibility comes knocking, don't shy away and say, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. Forget worthiness, there's work to be done. When the opportunities for you to be trained, don't sit down at the back, we need you in front. Don't let false humility keep you from the assignment. Hello? So I just want to come to church. Just be quiet. Sit down. You don't know me, but I'm your church member. <laughs> Many are called, but few are chosen. Choose yourself to serve. Choose yourself to serve. So what are our roles as members of the body of Christ? The first thing I want to mention is that Christ is the head of the church. What did I say? This is so important because people will annoy you. You see, you see all these fresh, fresh people in this church now, currently? They will annoy you. Someone said, I don't know if I fully agree, but the person said that church is like a hospital. Some people are recovering, they are responding to treatment. Some people, they are not responding to treatment. And this is an excuse for you to say, you know, church is a hospital. No, you can be the doctor. You can be the nurse. But it also teaches you to be patient with the people around you. To walk in love and walk in forgiveness is so important. To learn to obey. I know obedience sounds like a serious word, but we need it. When you enter downfall and the driver says, shift inside. So not driver, sorry, conduct, conduct. Conductor says, shift inside. You're not asking him that, ah, no, I'm keeping the space for my friend. I don't like to sweat. The AC is not reaching here. You what? Obey. No, no, no obey now. In this Lagos. You obey. 
Because for things to work, even something as crude as public transport in Lagos, there has to be a sense of order. In the same way, in the body of Christ, learn to treat people as unto the Lord. They may not always deserve your love. They may not always deserve your forgiveness. They may not always deserve your respect. But Christ is the head of the church. And we are his body. Praise the name of Jesus. Second point, spiritual leadership was his idea. You know, we live in a very interesting world. There was a news um, item that trended very well two years ago. I think it was called uh, Sex for Grades. Do you guys watch it? Sex for Grades, where Electra was trying to get some... some to pass a girl or something like that. After that time, how many of you heard any campaign that they should close down schools and there should be no lecturers? You heard, let me see you. Oh! You didn't hear. So it means that despite the many failures in the system, nobody questioned the system of education where there is one teacher in class per time. But if it's the church... Too many scandals. In fact, I don't need a pastor again. We have to be careful. You see, the devil has wiles. Only the devil will cause there to be mishap in a, in a, in a, in a, in a church institution. Then go to the other side and disguise. We know go agree. So wow, we must learn to check the excesses. We don't throw away the baby with the bathwater. Do you understand that? The local church was still God's idea. Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 11. Ephesians 4 from verse 11. Are we there? All right, let's read together. Let's go. Who did that? Who did that? So, having apostles was whose idea? Hmm, interesting. All right, next. And some to be? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Wait, no, wait. Let's relax first. He gave them pastors, teachers, apostles. That's the structure that God put in place. And he says, for the equipping of the saints, for the, body, for the work of the ministry, to build up the body of Christ. He says, ah, why, do you respect, why do you respect your pastor so much? It's because it's God's gift to me. Okay, she, she's God's gift to me. One of the greatest gifts in my life is Pastor Emmanuel Liren. Sorry, Apostle Emmanuel Liren. God's gift to me. Paul says that your leaders watch over your souls. So the reason why I submit to spiritual leadership is not because I'm a sissy or I'm a sheep. When I'm a sheep of Jesus anyway. But that was God's idea. That was God's idea. Praise the name of Jesus. Next role in the body of Christ. Love for the saints. What did I call it? You can't love me and hate my children. And that's how God sees that person sitting beside you. Love for the saints. Love for the saints. Brotherly affection. Forgiveness, making excuses for others. One red flag when it comes to marriage is to marry someone that doesn't love your family. 
Especially when your family is normal. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I won't go beyond that. People's moms are watching online. Like, what does he mean? But I don't mean anything. <laughs> Glory be to God. Our next role in the body of Christ is to grow in knowledge. Paul said, after I heard of your faith in Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks to God for you. I make mention of you in my prayers. That the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ will enlighten the eyes of your understanding. That you will see, you will know the hope of his calling. So after salvation, the next most important thing is knowledge. There is a reason why I always harass people that gist. You see people have stopped this. Can you see? People that gist during message time. Say, hey, so what happened? That Uber guy today. The person in the, in the background is just like generator. White noise. The word of God. White noise. It's because your growth is important. You must know the word of God. You must know it. We didn't come to church for family pictures. See, snap is me, please. We came to grow. Knowledge is important. Knowledge is important. Ephesians 4, from verse 14, it says, that we no longer be infants. I want to read from verse 13. Until we reach the unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So there is no true unity without true knowledge. Until we mature to the fullness of the stature of Christ, that we are no longer infants. No matter how much you love children, if you had a family where you were 50 and everybody was a baby, you would not want to go home. Like, oh, they are so cute. When you are the one taking care of them, that we are no longer infants. So if indeed we will achieve our goals as a family, we must grow up. Not every day. You know I'm not perfect. Nobody is perfect. At least, maybe you will be close. You, you, can, you can make the efforts. When they pay school fees for you, you don't keep coming home last and tell your mom, you know, nobody's perfect. There's effort to grow spiritually. So let's go of those easily besetting sins and weights. To grow in your knowledge of God and in your understanding of him. That we no longer be infants tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Based on what's raining per time. It's not clothes. No be clothes. It's the word of God. Never changing. So every opportunity to hear the word of God being taught is an opportunity to pay attention. To listen and take notes like you will teach it tomorrow. Hello? You must be apt to teach. Our job as your pastors is to prepare you for the work of the ministry. Our work is to train you for the work. Do you understand that? So you have an assignment ahead of you. Next role, service. Verse 16 of Ephesians 4 says, From whom the whole body fitted and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love through the work of every individual part. It doesn't matter how anointed I am or how much 
I know, I've been trained to know, there is no way that people at the back will be hearing me if I didn't have this mic. True or false? As expensive as this mic is, it will not carry his leg from the church warehouse to set itself up here. Somebody had to do it. By that which every joint supplies. As powerful as this service is, if we did not have a good children's church, you won't be able to learn what you are learning. Do you understand me? You see, serving in a unit is not just so that we can fill your form when you want to get married. For those of you that don't know, we do it though. You want to marry, where, what unit are you? <laughs> it's understanding that you are part of a spiritual assignment. And many times, your reasonable service when it comes to that assignment, it might be a physical thing. It's most likely a physical thing. Some people come here to set up every morning. For those of you who watch online, it will shock you to know that media team is made up of human beings. Empty volume. Oh, empty. Why have we not started? The person that is typing, we are, we are many online. We know those people that say we are 600 online. Why do we have 400 likes? It's not a machine. It's a person. You see those banners you love so much? Ah, this design, oh man, gone. Some people came to church because it's people that are doing it. Our boss is people, it's human beings. They have angelic voices, but they are humans. You must discern your place in the body of Christ. You must discern your place. Let it not be the path you were supposed to walk on that is empty. Are you not tired? Get up and do something. Hello? So your neighbor say, get up and do something. Why should every part of your life get your best, but your service to God gets the least? Resume by 9 a.m. You are there, 8.30. I left by 4, so I won't face traffic. For a job that you cannot take to heaven. How much more? It's time for you to engage in profitable godly exercise. Time for you to contribute your quota. As I begin to round off this morning, our roles as members of the body of Christ, this is both a role and a goal, is to expand the family. Is to what? I don't know if you guys heard, but there was this research I was doing, and I realized that there's a particular guy that took the blessings of Abraham literally. So he keeps having... I cannot command... You guys didn't get it. Good. The guy's name is something around that. Keeps having children. And no, I just say, oh, I'm not there. Like, how can you? I don't want to sound judgmental. But you say, judge am. That's not what I'm talking about. Like, okay, yes, I keep having. Not with one person, with different people. It's multiplying the earth. Intentionally. But now we have a spiritual assignment to expand God's family. It doesn't entail you becoming physically pregnant. But you must understand that you must be pregnant with souls. And you must birth them. What is God's desire? To have all men saved 
and to come to the knowledge of God. That's the number one goal of God's family. All men saved and to come to the knowledge of God. So every time at the back of your mind, how can I expand this family? What can I do to make sure that we are more tomorrow than we are today? A billion souls in, in 10,000 cities is not just a confession. Are you here this morning? It's a call to action. It's a call to action. What role are you playing to expand God's family? If it was left to you, <laughs> if you were among those that Jesus says, go into the world and preach, or preach the gospel, how many people will be saved now? They say, ah, it's not by like that. Let them just watch me, watch my life, see how calm I am. And they will ask me, where is your God? <laughs> and I will show them, you know, a wise person, which I will prove to the other person was, let me not say not wise, once said, preach the gospel all the time and use words if necessary. What does that mean? It sounds nice, but what does it mean? It's like telling a broadcaster, tell the news all the time and use words if necessary. What do you go use before? It's a message. People need to be told the message. The fact that you act like a Christian has not tied your mouth that, oh, only my good works. You know, some people are preaching, but they are not behaving like Christians. The greatest message you preach is the one you preach with your life. As you are preaching with your life, Preach with your tongue. Their souls are stake. People are perishing every day. How can you hold the gospel and you tie it to your chest? People need the word of God that you carry. And so as a member of this family, I grow in truth and not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. But I also understand that I'm a supplying joint. That I'm here to expand this family. If not for somebody else, you may not have been saved today. How about you extend the favor to someone else? Praise the name of Jesus. Please rise to your feet this morning as we pray in the name of Jesus. It's true that last month was a prayer season. But that prayer season will translate into what? Into a prayer culture. So not like, ah, I prayed last month, my voice is gone. Now I can rest. No, we've only just begun. Praise the name of Jesus. Are you ready to pray this morning? Are you ready to pray this morning? It's a simple prayer of thanksgiving. Imagine that you were orphaned and lost and a child. And someone came and said, I want to make you my own. I want to adopt you. There is a level of thanks that you express, of gratitude. What are we praying today? Say, Father. Say, Father. Thank you for making me a part of your family. Can you thank him like it matters? I bow my knees before you. The God after whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. Thank you for making me yours. Thank you for making me a part of your family. Now I have brothers and sisters and a father who loves me more than anything. Zatope sutokon sitabate. 
thank you for making me a part of your family. Once we were not a people, now we are your own people, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, why holy nation. Thank you for calling me out of darkness into your marvelous light. In the name of Jesus, we've thanked. In the name of Jesus, we've thanked. We're going to say a final prayer. And I just want to brief you a little bit so you can understand why it's important that you pray that prayer. You see, the, the people who wanted to build the Tower of Babel came together and got it done. Or tried to get it done. And it was God himself, the almighty God, who said... If these people continue like this, if they are of the same mind, nothing will be impossible to them. It's not my will, oh, but because they are together, nothing will be impossible to them. How much more when it's God's will and we are of one mind, of one voice. See, I know that you have your individual goals and plans, but may I tell you that nothing is as, impos- as important as the assignments we have together. To take our generation for the cause of the gospel. And it can only happen when we work together. Jesus said, I pray that they are one so that the world will believe that you sent them. In other words, if they are not one, it's going to be difficult for the world to believe. Say, Lord Jesus, in one accord. Hey, I need us to pray like we are in unison. Say, Lord Jesus, in one accord, we declare... That we are unified to take this generation for the cause of the gospel. We declare that the church is of one mind. That we are of one mind. And we achieve your counsel in our day. In the name of Jesus. Can you begin to pray? Let the goal of God's family be achieved in my day. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings. Blessings.